Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Pass Radio, America's weekly motorcycle talk show. I got me a date with some of the motocrosses up around the way. Your source for weekly updates on what's happening in the world of motorcycle racing. You know how fast you're going? Industry news, trends, the people involved. I'm Ricky Carmichael. It's Kevin Schwartz. This is Josh Timoth. This is Kelly Smith. This is Travis Latron. This is Jeremy McGrath. And now, Pit Pass Radio. Hello again, everybody. It is Pit Pass Motor Racing Weekly. Jack DeLeon producing our program, and uh, we're glad you're here. I do want to thank our good friend Leanne DeLeon as well, contributing to the legend that is Jack and Leanne DeLeon Chili. Oh, my goodness sakes. It, it, is, it was delish. It's not your turn, PJ. I was going to come to you in just like 30 seconds, but you jumped the gun. So it's like we have to restart the race. Okay. So, PJ, the thoughts on the chili? Amazing. Amazing. Exactly. Thank you, Jack. Thank you, Leanne. Uh, it is P- Pass Moto Racing Weekly, part of the Evergreen Podcast Production System. Glad you're here. Uh, big program on tap. Thanks to Chris Bishop, Tommy Boy Halverson, Eddie Kulenkamp, Tony Wink is off this week. Um, but doing his best. He should be here for hour number two. Uh, do want to thank PJ for uh, stretching it out, coming on in. PJ, a big program on tap. We'll get to that in a minute. Uh, do want to give you the results of Denver Supercross. It was dramatic as always. We go to the 450 Supercross results. Eli Tomac in first. Cooper Webb, not a big surpriser for me anyway. And Marvin Muskin in third. So one, two, three, four fifties. We go to the 250 West results. Adam Cianciarillo. In first, Dylan Fernandez, Fernandez, pardon me, and Colt Nichols. One, two, three there. It's, what is it? Two more rounds? Two more. There's a 250 East round. Of course, the 450s will be there in East Rutherford, New Jersey. And then Vegas, the season finale where the 250 East and West series meet. And I'm hugely sad. Dean Wilson has uh, gone under underwent an MRI earlier this week. Uh, he injured his shoulder, had a contusion on his kidney. That's nothing to mess with. Uh, so he is taking the rest of the season off, two rounds. But uh, Dean Wilson has our respect because that's a competitor right there. Uh, he was in eighth place on lap eight in the Denver 450 Supercross rounds in the main event when he came up short in a rhythm section. So it was causing his bike, by the way, to throw him over the handlebars of the bike to land on him. I've, I've seen this happen before. I've actually seen a death firsthand right at Vets Auditorium here in Des Moines, Iowa. And uh, as the announcer of that event, I was like a little bit nonplussed. I don't want to ever see that again. And especially with the folks that are producing the show saying, don't say anything, don't say anything, don't say anything. You got to say something. I'm going to say it. Dean Wilson, get better. Listen to the doctors, brother. We're looking for you to return when you are ready. How about that? Husqvarna, stronger for Dean Wilson's appearance. On the program, uh, Bryce Prince will be joining us later in hour number one. Michael Barnes will be joining us. Tristan Hart and Thad Duvall. Lots to get underway. I do want to tip of the cap to my buddies down at Riverside Raceway. Look for them online, by the way, riversideraceway.net. They are replicating the uh, Ten Commandments uh, of Loretta Lynn's. Now, this is, this is something they went down and measured everything. They took complete 
measurements and are replicating it in Winterset, Iowa. If you have never been to uh, the Loretta Lynn's and PJ, come have you see been? a piece of it. I have been there. Yes, I and, have been and, there. And your thoughts? I mean, this replication—it's it's like a writer's dream. Absolutely, and it's it's an iconic part of the racetrack, so it's really cool. And there's a lot of people that visit Riverside Raceway who have been to Loretta Lynn's, so it's going to look familiar to them. And it's going to be a taste of the South for others. I love it. Taste of the South. Nothing like it. Cornbread, ribs, and collard greens. Hello, everybody. I'm Scott Casper along with PJ Duran. It is Pit Pass Motor Racing Weekly. Thank you for making us the most listened to uh, program within the Evergreen Podcast Production. And there are many programs to listen to but we are very proud to be with you each and every week bringing you the conversation the humor and yeah the heart of what we do and that's racing no matter the discipline we got it going on and that, let's start with if if we can uh, the great thad duvall he joins us now thad coming off a big victory at steel creek in morgantown north carolina we'll have hot takes uh, coming out of thad's interview with uh, pj duran but thad welcome back to the show brother how are you Good man, it's been uh, been a pretty good year so far. So, yeah, excited to get back on the show. It's been I think uh, a couple months now, and yeah, super excited when I get the text about uh, being on the show. Cool well, you know show. what it is. You're a regular. Dude. Really enjoy. Yeah, you're okay. a regular. We we'd yeah. love to have you on the show, PJ. This is uh, one of our favorite interviews. Every time he's on, absolutely. And Thad, congrats! You're killing it this season. You are. You are doing what we all hoped someone in would do, and that is absolutely make Caleb Russell earn his money, earn his keep. You are absolutely <laughs> knocking on the door every race. I mean, what a great year for you. What, what's been the big difference maker? Because, I mean, you really are. You're there. You're He's in it to win it every race. Yeah, you know, just, um, you know, uh, the beginning of last year, I kind um, I got together with a, um, a cyclist in the pretty much became my trainer and you know he gives me a schedule for each week so it was kind of it was nice to have to wake up and know what i needed to do or what i needed to do and have somebody tell me what i needed to do instead of just trying to do my own thing and you know i feel like um yeah you know i'd, I'd wake up and just try to do as much as i could in one day and i think it was actually kind of hurt me some days it would just be too much so you know he kind of set me back and listened to my body and i think it's really helped i feel like i'm in a the best shape I've ever been for sure. And I think it shows in the results and yeah, just, um, having that confidence knowing I, you know, showing up at a race, believing that I can win. And, you know, I, I've been able to, to get one win so far and, you know, just, um, this past weekend, it came down to the last few turns between me and Caleb again with him edging me out again, but you know, it kind of just fuels the fire a little bit and yeah, it makes me super excited to just keep racing and, Try to get more wins for sure. Well, Thad, uh, one second between you guys. That's right. uh, after three <laughs> hours of racing. It does not get any closer than, yeah, one second at the line after three yeah. hours of racing. That is amazing. It's amazing, and clearly you're, you're on the gas. So you're, you're saying it is absolutely down to fitness. You've, uh, you've changed some uh, components of your fitness regimen. And what, are you just, you're, you're feeling stronger at the end of the race? Is that the big difference maker? Yeah, for sure, absolutely. You know, I, I felt like I was really lacking, I guess, the confidence at the end of the race. But, you know, now that I feel super strong towards the end and have that confidence and, and feel that strong, I feel like I can be there with him. And, you know, it, it, it's crazy because, man, it's like the first hour and a half, we're still, like, pushing pretty hard. And then it, then it comes down to, like, a few laps, and it's like, 
maxed out as hard as you can go for an hour. Like it's, I'm, you know, I'm in the one nineties, like high one ninety heart rate for an hour. So it's like, that's, a, it, that's I, amazing. <laughs> yeah. You guys, yeah, you guys are, you're absolutely right there with the, you know, the, the professional bikers of the world. I'm shaving guys who, uh, in the morning. Ab- I got 210 going, just shaving my face. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, Thad, that, that is absolutely impressive. Uh, you know, that's, it, you guys have a lot of season in front of you. What's, uh, what's your, what race are you looking forward to the most? I'm sure you've got one where you feel like, uh, you know, it's your track. I'm, every racer yeah. seems to have one. Yeah, I feel like the next couple races actually coming up are, are my stronger um, races for sure. We have um, the X Factor in Indiana coming up. That's our next one, and I've been able to win that one before, and I really enjoy that place. And then, um, you know, we have the, the John Penn GNCC uh, in Ohio, which is a hometown race for me, and I was able to win that one last year. And then, of course, you have the Snowshoe, the Mountain. So um, that place has eluded me. I've been so close to winning so many times, and I haven't been able to do it so I think that race to me stands out as one that uh, I want to be 100% ready to go there for sure because a win is a win, but a win there is just something really special to me. I, I feel like I have a, a crazy amount of fans there, and, and me being from West Virginia, it, it just makes that even sweeter. So I feel like that, that race sticks out to me if one that I really want to win really, really bad. Don't blame me. I feel like that one's for sure. So, like, I'm excited to get to these next couple races and hopefully get some wins. You know, that's that's always the plan. But, you know, in the long run, I'm just – I haven't been able to do the whole 13 races and be healthy. So I'm just trying to be 100% all these races all the way through the year and hopefully at the end of the year have that championship. And, Thad, which uh, – remind uh, our listeners which model of Husqvarna uh, you're riding in this year's championship? I'm riding the FX350. Um, I feel like, you know, I've, I've toyed around actually a little bit more um, this year with riding the four, with riding the 450 compared to the 350. And, you know, at the end of the day, I feel like the 350 really suits my style. It, it you know, I can really rev the rev it a lot more, and I feel like I can be a little bit more aggressive on it in the woods. So, I really enjoy uh, riding the 350. And, you know, I feel like um, at the beginning of the year, I was kind of leaning towards riding the 450 a little bit um in the gncc's but yeah just full 100 percent on the 350 i feel like um the team has it 100 percent dialed in and um uh, yeah every time i throw my leg on it i have a smile it's crazy how good something can be it, like i feel like the bike's super good and then they send me something and it like makes the bike even better so it, it's crazy i'm always learning how to ride the bike uh, I mean, it just—it's always getting better and better and better. That's what happens, PJ, when you change your oil in my Yamaha. Seriously, yeah, it feels feels faster, <laughs> and that's that's uh, the beauty of being on a factory team, right? That I mean, you're you're getting the good stuff, and right when you think it's awesome, it gets better. Uh, I mean, do you feel yeah. that the 350 is? I'm sure you've done. You're a pro. You do back to back testing 350, and then back to back with a 450. Does it steer yeah. better in the woods? Does I mean, does it feel lighter? Yeah, it, it's. That's what the crazy thing is, is the 450 is only, like, I think a pound or two heavier than the 350. Four, I think it's four pounds heavier. But when I ride them back-to-back, I don't know if it's the inertia with the 450 motor, but it feels so much heavier to me when you're going through the trees and everything. And I think that's really when the 350 comes into account. You know, when you're three hours, like, we race for three hours, so it's pretty long. So, I mean, it's usually 
you know, when we get on the track, we're like the last races to go. You have all quad, like four quad, different quad races and then two different bike races before we even get on the track. So it's brutally rough. So then that's when I think the 350 comes into play, being a little lighter. I feel like um, maybe that's why me and Caleb have an advantage sometimes because we're on the 350 and a lot of the guys are riding 450s now. Um, I, I think Stu's even on a 450 now. So I feel like we might have an advantage on the 350 being a little I love lighter. It. But there is definitely a, a big difference when I ride them back, back to back, as in weight-wise for sure. And is there, I mean, having, I've not attended a GNCC. It is on my to-do list. I've watched uh, a, a, a fair bit of coverage. I, I've attended but a GNCC. I've never attended one. Do you have, is there any place in a, in any of the national events that you're competing in where you actually have the throttle to the stop in anything approaching one of the top two gears where maybe a 450 would actually have something like a measurable advantage over a 350? Um, I mean, there's a couple races I feel like, you know, we're really up to speed, but I feel like most of the, I mean, 75% of the tracks, I'm going to have an advantage on a 350 for sure, but I wouldn't even say that the other 25%, the 450s have an advantage. It's just, I mean, just well, there's got to be an advantage. There's a lower power you band, right? You get a lower power. Yeah, you just get more ultimate horsepower. Right. 450, so, bigger motor, yeah. going to make right. more so, power. But when when you switch it up and you're looking for more, it's there, number one. But yeah. uh, you're also, I think, able to maintain a, a higher rev speed, right? At least that's my thought, the higher rev speed going into a long, like a long straightaway. Yeah, but then, um, you know, I've, I'm fortunate enough being on the fastest team, we kind of get to do some motor testing or whatever. And, you know, when I do ride them back-to-back, I think sometimes almost my 350 has more, like, torque on bottom than my 450 does. Wow. It's just uh, the 350 kind of flattens out a little bit faster than the 450. But honestly, I think sometimes my 350 may be just as fast or better off-bottom. Less weight. Great great yeah, power, by the way. Right. The 350 still has great power. Hey, uh, yeah. Thad, up against the clock, but uh, we want to give you time to recognize the team. Uh, you know, I mean, it's easy enough to say Rockstar, right? But at the same time, you <laughs> got to give uh, credit where credit's due. Who's, who do you want to mention? Yeah, you know, the whole Rockstar Husqvarna team, 100% goggles, bell helmets, CD boots, fly racing, um, pro taper, just all, all, the, all the team sponsors. Dude's ready. Uh, my, my, my trainer, Jacob, um, you know, uh, kind of um, Hamer Nutrition, they they really helped me out a lot. Um, I want to get just, Jacob uh, on the show once uh, just to talk to us about what kind of uh, training he puts you through. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. That'd be awesome. And you could be on the line and just kind of laugh in the background in pain. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> Keep doing what you're doing, Thad, because you're killing it. I love it, dude. Yeah, thanks for having me on the show. I really appreciate it and uh, look forward to being on again. Best sure. to the team, dude. Thank you, Thad. Thank you. There we go. Thad Duvall heads to the pits. Jack, let's do this. We're going to stay in studio for a bit here, a little bit. Uh, I'm going to give you the standings, current one through five in both 450, 250 Supercross West and 250 Supercross East standings. And then we're going to go to hot takes and hot laps with uh, PJ Duran talking a little bit of flat track racing, some of the superbike stuff going on. Uh, 450, obviously, we're going to start there. Blake Baggett sits in fifth with 256 points. And again, we're looking at about 30-point spreads here, okay? Uh, 25 to 30. Kenny Roxon and a guy that season that should never have happened out of uh, Germany. Uh, 283 points is Ken Roxon. He's in fourth. Marvin Muskin out of uh, France, 309 points. These guys know where to win, by the way. They come to the U.S. Uh, he's in 
in third. Eli Tomac with 314 points, a little closer there, uh, out of Cortez, Colorado in second. That's Eli Tomac. And number one right now in your hearts and on your point sheet, 332 points has the new point, North Carolina. Cooper Webb in the 450 Supercross standings. I don't know that, you know, there's going to be a lot of difference makers as long as Cooper races smart. He may have this one wrapped up. 18 points with two to go. How about that? Let's go to the 250 Supercross West standings. Uh, P.J. Durant coming up here in just a moment. We'll give you the top three. Colt Nichols in the West standings is in third with 163 points. Going to be hard to catch Dylan Fernandez uh, out of Avignon, France. Uh, he's in second. By the way, hats off to the folks in France. Had a tough couple days with uh, the, the Notre Dame Cathedral going up in flames. But I understand the plans are that they will rebuild President Donald Trump and company willing to stand behind the good folks of France. I make fun periodically, but... That is one of the world-class landmarks uh, that has been around for hundreds of years, and uh, they will do their best to put that thing back on the map as it should be. They were able to save many of the relics, including the uh, crown of thorns from uh, Jesus Christ. So uh, we're glad that they went to the extra effort to save many of the relics. So that is safe. So again, Dylan Fernandez, Avignon, France, with 200 points. Adam Cianciarillo, Port Orange, Florida. He's in first with 208 points, so eight points spread those two we go down to the east standings for 250s and it's justin cooper on the bottom end of the uh, rung there number three out of cold springs harbor new york fun interview by the way his uh, yep chase sexton would be in second out of uh, illinois 148 points so four points spread those two and it's close as well with austin fortner in the lead at the 250 east coast standings excuse me east standings richards missouri austin fortner with 151 points and with that with hot laps and hot takes let's go to pj duran pj all right well uh starting in the south we'll go with the big race circuit of the americas moto gp the king of texas has been dethroned mark marquez had never lost Lost, at coda well he tucked the front unfortunately for him and the fire is out it's over and uh (laughs) there is a new sheriff in texas his name is alex Rins for suzuki gp it has been a long time coming for both Alex personally and Suzuki's MotoGP effort, congratulations to them both for their historic win at Coda. Valentino Rossi, the old man, comes in a very good second place. <laughs> How a old strong, is he, dude? I'm serious. Strong finish. Uh, gosh, he's he's forty something. Forty two. Uh, forty two. Somewhere in there, yeah. I think. Uh, Jack Miller uh, on the podium. Great finish for Miller. That wraps up the Coda results. That Were you takes pleased the over- with that? Yeah, absolutely. It was an amazing race, and uh, I really thought Rossi was going to bring a little more at the end. It didn't happen. Renz was just that strong and that good. The overall right now, um, Dovizioso is leading in the GP standings with Rossi in a second place. Alex Renz has moved himself to third, and with his DNF, Marquez drops to fourth place in the overall. There's not a lot of points, and it's a long season we're early into right now, so expect Marquez to come back uh, for sure. But uh, it's going to be a long season. He's going to have to battle for it. Do you have the total number of rounds left in that season? Because, for example, Supercross, we've got, what, two two rounds left there in Supercross. But what are the rounds left, for example, uh, in in, – In 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 MotoGP, I tell you here. Is it four? No, no, no. We've got a lot of races left in MotoGP. Yeah, she got – It's like they race every other day. Yeah, we're currently – Circuit of the Americas was – 
race number seven of the season. Uh, there are six, eight, 10, 12, 14, 16, 18, 20. Two. <laughs> There's 23 rounds left to go. So we've got a lot of points on the board. Um, oh, excuse me. I was counting tests. That is not correct at all. Uh, I think we have like 13 rounds 13. to go. That, that makes sounds sense. Really so, right? Three. Okay. Yeah, 13 ish. Uh, t- 12 to 13 right in there. And then also in Austin for the results because uh, our Moto America National Series competed with Coda or with the GP at Coda. They had two rounds of the Superbike Series. Uh, Elias came out on top in race one with Cam Bobier in second, Gerloff in third, Mr. Garrett Gerloff. Race two, awesome. Josh Heron all the way to the front. Elias took Heron. and he beat Elias <laughs> to do it. His first win with Suzuki as, oh. uh, as Elias' teammate. He, of course, as we know, got the seat vacated by Roger Lee Hayden. Uh, so congratulations to Josh Heron. Again, Elias was second in race two, and Cam Bobier came third. So the overall currently in Moto America, Elias still leads with Cam Bobier in second place overall. Josh Heron moves himself into third place overall with that very strong win. And Matthew Skoltz hanging on in fourth place. Uh, the one other race of note this weekend was the Austin World Superbike races from Holland. We had uh, Batista does the double yet again. This guy is undefeated. Batista is amazing. Uh, in race one, Ray was able to come second. Uh, Michael Vandermark came third. Race two, a little bit of a mix-up. Vandermark came second behind Batista with Ray coming third. Uh, overall, Batista. And pulling away. He wins every single time they get on track and a checker flag flies. The guy is unstoppable. Uh, Ray, I'm sure, is doing everything in his power to get back up there. All right, so you've gone through, what, how many different disciplines? Are that was MotoGP. That was Moto America, our National World Superbikes, or National Superbike Series, and World Superbikes. All right, of those, of those that you named, individual racers, you got a favorite for me? Oh, well, right now, I would say Batista and World Superbike is a dominant. Someone's going to have to change the program. And they just restricted more. Interestingly, uh, World Superbike did a leveling of uh, the playing field. They reserved the right to do that throughout the season. Sure. And they're moving around red lines in an effort to equalize performance of dissimilar type motors. They just took away some RPMs from Ducati. Uh, some other bikes were maybe given some. I've, I don't have the numbers in front of me. But they took some RPMs away from Ducati, and he still won rather handily. So mm. it will be interesting to see if they continue to move the move those RPM levels around to try and level the field. Given that uh, Batista's teammate, Chaz Davis, is not having the same results, and I'm a huge fan of Chaz, and he has been... Off and on strong this season. He's just not getting on with the bike the way uh, Batista is. I do not believe that the bike is the whole thing. I think Batista is absolutely that good right now. I do want to uh, send out, by the way, you can text us. You can get a hold of us uh, on our website. Go to pitpassmoto.com. Easy enough to do. Matter of fact, they're calling in right now, even as we speak. But uh, I will tell you that uh, easy enough to do. Get a hold of us. We'd love to hear from you. I just heard from Alex in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Uh, young, uh, what do you call him, a marketing major at, uh, at the university there, but uh, he's listening online. Big fan of motorcycle racing, doesn't matter uh, what kind of motorcycle racing. He loves to see guys go fast. Don't blame him. 
Don't blame them at all. So, uh, Alex, thanks for listening. Appreciate you reaching out. It's uh, one of the fun things we do is we get to hear from you, the race fans, and the broadcast fans, people that are listening to the program, because uh, it's it's you that we do the show for each and every week. And I know, PJ, you hear from uh, listeners first and foremost right up front at Hicklin Power Sports in Grimes, Iowa. Absolutely, we do. Now, when you're when you're there and people approach the counter and stuff and they're chatting with you about the show, what are you hearing the most? Are they hearing that, oh, that Casper, he's just funny, or, or Tony Tony gets so serious? I, I have to correct every one of them when they come to the counter I, that I am, in fact, the star of the show. I have to let them know that right up front, <laughs> despite what they hear every week on the show. Okay, so... At- <laughs> I don't know if I would be as comfortable because you're a marked man standing behind I know. the well, they, counter. Yes, absolutely. They're at the I, service counter, they're, they're already uh, they're giving me a hard time by the time they're talking about pit pass, that's for sure. And do the other guys that work with you, do they give you a hard time as well, or do they just accept the fact that this is part of what you do? Uh, absolutely. You know, they, Every week, guys at work want to know who did you get to talk to last night. So tomorrow I will have... Uh, there will be a number of my coworkers questioning me as to who did I get the opportunity to talk to. Uh, I will get to say awesome things like Thad Duvall, Tristan Hart, Michael Barnes, Bryce Prince, and on and on and on the names that of, of people we get to talk to every week. I love it. Uh, when my guys at work ask me this, it reminds me how, how great this job is. Well, I'll tell you what, it is a great job. We appreciate the opportunity we have each and every week. Courtesy of our friends at Evergreen Podcast Productions, also our home-based studio, the flagship, if you will, of this very program, Jack and Leanne DeLeon pushing the buttons of the mothership, and that is iHeart Studios in Des Moines, Iowa. Never have we sounded quite so good since these guys came on some 32 years ago. We appreciate it, Jack, and you look good for your age, i got to tell you, brother. By the way, the political candidates are now populating our stairwells and our elevators here we are seeing them every single day and how many democratic candidates for president are there 30 31 32 no i think i'm overdoing it. it's like 13 or 14 yeah it's it's some kind of number close to 20 it's 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 amazing uh but we get to see him first and foremost right here in the studios walking the halls taking our water drinking our coffee but that's okay that's what we're here for <laughs> in the background we actually heard leanne i want to thank thad duvall for an outstanding interview to start the program off uh we're going to uh, effort to get tony wink on the show to talk a little bit about what's going on at riverside raceway look for him online riversideraceway.net big weekend coming up 10 commandments will be in play do me a favor stick around more with pj duran i'm scott casper this is pit pass Hey, this is Ryan Dungey, and you're listening to Pit Pass Radio. Hey, everybody. It's Scott Casper from Pit Pass Radio. V-Rubber offers a whole range of performance motocross and off-road tires, starting with the VRM229 for hard-packed supercross settings and the VRM300. It's designed for intermediate soil conditions. The most popular tire is the VRM140. It's designed for soft to intermediate environments. All knob tires are available in the most popular motocross and off-road sizes as well. The VRM308R Trials is the perfect choice for real technical conditions, and it's now available in a new four-stroke model for racing or recreation riding big four strokes. The newest addition is the V-Line Do-All VRM340, a heavy-duty off-road tire that is DOT approved. Most of the tires are available in the new Slow Rebound Tacky Compound for extremely technical environments. It's V-Rubber and the Tacky Tires, the choice of Sherco off-road. Racers say when using a Tacky, it's almost like cheating. It's V-Rubber.
Hey, Moto fans, we do our best to keep you in touch with what we're doing through our website, iHeartRadio, Facebook, Twitter, and more. Well, now you can listen to Pit Pass Radio on your handheld device anytime with the all-new Pit Pass app for Android or iPhones. Go to your app store now and download the new app, Pit Pass, at no charge. Yes, we have an app for that. It's the all-new Pit Pass app. Get it today. America's Motor Racing Talk Show, Pit Pass Motor Racing Weekly, comes your way each Sunday morning from 8 to 10, right here on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. 1460 KXNO. Passionate about riding motorcycles off-road and on? Well, visit Hickam Power Sports in Grimes, Iowa, and see the full line of 2017 Yamaha Dual Sports. From the simple-to-ride electric start TW200 to the nimble, lightweight XT250 to the racing-derived performance of the WR250R, Yamaha has your ride. Visit Hicklin Power Sports in Grimes, Iowa today. Yamaha, the first name in dual sports. Hicklin Power Sports in Grimes. Dress properly for your ride with a helmet, eye protection, long sleeves, long pants, gloves, and boots. Don't drink and ride. It's illegal and dangerous. Don't wait another minute for that new dream home you've always wanted. I'm Tony Wink for Jack Daly on Construction. For 66 years, the DeLeon family has been building custom homes, existing home remodeling, and adding on for customers across central Iowa. The DeLeons will offer you one-on-one attention that the big builders simply can't. They'll walk you through the process so you'll get the home that you want. Jack works well with your plans or can show you from his library of over 1,200 house plans. He'll make your dreams a reality. Call the DeLeons at 515-321-5225. Tell them you heard about them on Pit Pass Radio and receive 5% off the price. Jack DeLeon Construction, serving Iowa since 1946. Hey, it's Ron Sipes. You're listening to Pit Pass Radio. All right, hello again, everybody, and welcome. Jack, can you bring my mic up, please? Just a little bit there. There you go. Welcome back to the program. It is uh, the Pit Pass Motor Racing Weekly program. Not sure how you're listening to us, but appreciate you doing so. For whatever reason, we're not on KXNO.com tonight. I'm a little bit, I got my head scratched there. Perhaps, Jack, you could do what a producer does and figure that out so we can be on KXNO.com. A lot of folks listen to us there. If not, you can uh, check out our website. It'll tell you all the various places you can Catch us on Stitcher and et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, of course, the uh, the app. You can get that wherever you get your apps, the App Store and Google Play, okay? Uh, again, thanks to Thad Duvall. Outstanding interview with him, as always. Uh, in studio on this particular program, P.J. Duran. Uh, it's always a pleasure working with P.J. because he knows behind-the-scenes stuff. He knows the technical stuff for all the new bikes that are out there. And, by the way, uh, you sell both Yamaha and the ktm right absolutely okay. and beta well and beta beta is more of a i look at beta as kind of a technical rider's bike but yamaha is a horse ktm is just kicking butt who's leading the way sales wise or can you say by law oh i would say we it's pretty close yamaha over over ktm you know if you add up all of the sales uh but in in various areas one takes over yeah, off-road bikes ktm's the hottest selling brand in america in america period. absolutely and, did and you ever think you'd world. say that uh five six years ago you probably wouldn't have thought that and it's in the and last did you five, think six, you'd see husqvarna come roaring back as they have uh once ktm bought them it, the writing was on the wall before that no i did not foresee it until ktm made the purchase added them to their family yeah and uh yeah clearly they have taken off now. And, con- and according to our good friends in texas uh that are encouraging the kids to write in cursive by the way the writing on the wall down there 
in cursive. How about that? All right, Scott Casper with you. Again, Tony Wink uh, will be on in hour number two. I want to thank Eddie Kulenkamp for uh, assembling a, a very, very exceptional program. Hats off to the De Leons for providing the hot and delicious chili. And yeah, tomorrow morning when they get here for the morning show, they're going to have to smell the chili. I might just leave my empty bowl in here for him. So, no? Okay. Uh, I think it's a good idea. By the way, Dean Wilson announced on Instagram that he is out for the remainder of the Monster Energy AMA Supercross Series. He went, underwent an MRI earlier this week, said he injured his shoulder. We saw that. But the contusion on his kidney, well, you can't see that unless you're looking for the bruising. His shoulder injury will not require surgery, and he'll give it a few weeks of uh, rest and therapy, and we'll see where we're at at that point, he said. So uh, hats off to uh, our buddy Dean Wilson and, uh, you know, a quick but safe uh, recovery. That's always the best part. Let's go to our next guest. Are you ready? Absolutely, I'm ready. Mr. Barnes, how are you, sir? Barney. Hey, what's happening, guys? How are you? Well, it is a pleasure getting to interview you after what? We all thought you were done. Oh, yeah. It, it was just kind of a head fake. Thought you'd get yeah. off the couch and come uh, kick some tail. Congratulations on your double race wins at Road Atlanta. Uh, thank you so much. We uh, we really had a good time that weekend, that's for sure. And what? Uh, how much testing did you get on this bike? Because... That's the real story of what happened at Road Atlanta is the fact that this was kind of a thrown-together deal, right, Barry? Yeah, I think it, it's something that uh, that the guys at Motocorsa, Chris Boy, and, and those guys have been working on. They, they ran a bike last year at one race uh, just as a, as a test, and I don't think it was given points or something for that race. But um, so, so the bike got homologated, and... And so they had a kind of an idea of what they wanted to do, but then they had to really rush into building the bike. And and uh, Al Brown at at Motocorsa Performance was uh, was the guy who was really doing all the work and fabricating on the bike and whatnot, um, and you know taking the motor apart and and just kind of blueprinting it. Basically, was all really we could do because we really couldn't get a big advantage out of uh, out of the spec fuel. So uh, there wasn't really a lot of motor work done other than just a lot of fabrication. They had a, had a pretty trick custom exhaust on there, and um, but they did they did a phenomenal job of putting something together at the last minute, and then uh, you know we just threw some some Olin suspension on it um, from Mike Fitzgerald at Thermos Thermos Man Suspension did his magic on that and made it just work right away. So we really only got about two or three sessions during a track day down at Homestead the week before, but we we knew we had something to work with and. And we just had to go to Atlanta and find out. So, and how how much riding have you uh, honestly done? Uh, road riding, road racing, uh, be it track days, or have you have you done anything since you hung it up, semi hung up the professional leathers? Um, well, you know, other than Daytona, you know, I did Daytona in sixteen and seventeen and eighteen, and uh, so so Daytona eighteen was was pretty much the last time I was on a bike. And then uh, I had a good friend of mine, Pat Mooney, race my bike in the 200 this year, and I helped out that with that effort. But I just I felt like sitting out this year and gonna kind of regroup that program, see what we could put together for for maybe a potentially stronger effort for the next couple of years. We'll see. Well, again, this is just impressive. Uh, that was where I was going. It's not only impressive; it's inspirational, and that for me yeah. is everything. Because what you are. 
you're you're an old dude racing in a young man's sport but you're setting it on fire again and uh barney we love to see that because that's that inspires old guys to get out there and go to loretta's or or you know go to wherever they're going to race whatever style whatever the discipline but it's fun because you're putting the fun back in it did you remember what it was like as a kid when you threw your leg over your first bike oh yeah you know and that's that's really what the past few daytona 200 and and this race at atlanta with these guys has done for me it's it's really just brought the fun back. You know, I'm not racing for a paycheck uh, as much as I used to back in the day. And, uh, you know, so it's nice to just kind of relax and have fun and, and let the cards fall where they may. So, you know, to be to be able to be brought into this program, not only with Motocorsa Performance, but also with, with Dale Cordley and, and his on-track development team with the youngsters. Um you know, Bob Robbins is the is the sponsor of the of the team and 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 sponsor of our effort as well. So it, it was just really neat to uh, you know to be working with Dale and and a bunch of great guys building the bike. And we just you know everything kind of just clicked the whole weekend with the, with the motorcycle and myself. And we had some competition. You know, it, you know it might have been might have looked like I you know had it handled, but uh, you know it. Chris Parrish isn't rolling over. The dude knows how to race. Uh, he's been doing it a long time, and he's he was he was really right there. I mean, it seemed like race two. It was you didn't run away with it. Uh, your guys' lap times, oh, yeah. your lap times were right there. Clearly, you have an edge in the overall, but and you had an edge at the line. But it's looked like it was a real race. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And Curtis Murray also was uh, was keeping us honest all day long that dude's fast as can be too and and you know chris turner had had some bad fortune this weekend if that weekend if not he would have been he would have been up front really uh giving me a fit so uh, i'm looking forward to vir so we've extended it one more race we haven't really talked about well we've talked about it but we haven't concluded if we're going to do the rest of the championship after vir um but you know if you got to throw a race race budget together for a year right away isn't the easiest thing so so we're entertaining it seeing what we can figure out you know, if we win one more maybe they'll be forced to do another one and then we'll just keep going from there can i i want to comment just for a second pj you and i talk a little bit about this the equipment is one thing but the heart of the racer in other words the prep prior to and then on track the durability, uh, the longevity of a racer. Does he get stronger? Does he lose? Does he gas out? I mean, all of this has to work together to put together a championship run or a race win. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And so, Barney, uh, I mean, you're. this is impressive, and it does. it's great for the sport. One, to have a guy uh, come out in a last, essentially last-minute effort uh, with clearly good intentions and good planning to get the result. You guys got uh, you I mean, everyone did their job, starting with you, but the whole team to get to where you finished. It's got to. It's just great for the sport, and, and I think can only bring more teams out. I mean, do you foresee? Uh, has anybody gotten a hold of uh, those guys about how how they might go about building another Ducati for them? Because you're the first one out there in this class. Oh, uh, there was there was two, there was all sorts of attention even during the during the week as far as you know potential customers. So, um, you know, you, you know, you'd be a fool not to entertain it. You know, not that it's just the dominant bike, but yeah. but it, it's definitely something to look at. Uh, you know, Ducatis uh, bring out a, a different 
demographic of racer as well. So maybe that'll help broaden the the the, the bikes that are in the class. Which you know, Moto America, you know, I got to applaud them on on adding this class. Uh, it was a little bit of a of a weak uh, effort last year, not on their port, but uh, just on entries, and to to see the amount of entries from one year to the next. At least at Atlanta was was impressive. Absolutely, uh, so it's been the class is building steam. Of yeah, I, I, I no one looking back on it. I can't explain why didn't there why wasn't there a bigger turnout early in last year because the the season really built. Uh, the number of competitors in True this that. in this class continued to rise pretty much event by event. By the end of the season, there was a lot of bikes at the season finale there at Barber, um, and. Clearly, more guys got interested in during the off season. Uh, it's the pit's pretty full of you guys now, right? Yeah, you know, it's, you know, I, I'd still love to see the, the you know, the, the main classes, Superbike and Six Hundred. I'd really like to see those, you know, a little bit fuller grids. But um, you know, that now that now that there's some TV and you know, just. Hopefully, uh, hopefully, some people can find some money. I mean, that's everybody's biggest struggle for teams right, right now is finding money. So uh, it, it, it ain't cheap, and you know, I'm, I'm glad I'm not in charge of funding this thing because you know, I, I simply wouldn't be doing it. But uh, it is exciting that that you know we've got some TV back, and and there's a lot of attention back on Moto America. So I'm really hoping for for rainy and everybody that really continues and, and gets stronger michael barnes our guest in this particular portion of the program made uh, serious records uh, over the weekend as he became the oldest racer to uh, uh to record the the daytona 200 doing so at 67 years old that's amazing that uh, I mean, he's drawn a check from Social Security. He's on Medicaid and Medicare, and uh, still able to pull in sponsorship dollars. I think it's wonderful. Now, is it true the scooter company is actually one of your big sponsors? Yeah, and Geritol, <laughs> Grecian Formula, the AARP Mobile. <laughs> what are you What are you doing for vitamin drinks? That's <laughs> uh, funny. I'm teasing you, dude. You know that. You've been a great guest over the years, and I hope you've had as much fun as we have, uh, you know, talking racing and just living out your career through, you know, to our listeners. That's the best part. I always enjoy it as well, sharing our passion with the listeners. You know, you guys got the same two-wheel passion and, uh, you know, as well as well as four, but I think we're all biased towards two wheels. Oh, but, my God, yes. Uh, <laughs> and there's no question. <laughs> All right, coming up May fourth and fifth. Will you be at VIR? Yeah, he's saying yes. Yeah, that's. I just that's, want a confirmation. I know. I know that you've had some conversation around, but I just want you to say yes or no. Yep, that's what they tell me, and my uh, my logistics manager and and beautiful girlfriend Ann Roberts. <laughs> I, I couldn't. I couldn't have handled just the entry process alone. Right. She helped me with, with that. It's hard. But. It's hard. She tells me she tells me we're we're doing VIR, so uh, so I guess I guess we're going to VIR <laughs> and see if we can't do some do some good work up there again. You know, I just got to give a quick shout out to Josh Chisholm and Bob Weber, sixty helmets for for uh, taking care of me for for this year and for the future. And I've I've switched to sixty helmets. Um, it's just you know something that I've uh, given a lot of thought to and and seen the the development in their helmet and the technology that's that's being brought out and you good see stuff. a lot in, in motocross uh 
so yeah, just a big shout out to 60 Helmets and uh, for keeping me safe. So, well, yeah, Michael, that that is awesome. That I did not know that you were dating Ann Roberts, fast racer in her own uh, right. Is she still racing, road racing? No, no, she's not presently racing. Um, you know, she was doing the Moto America National stuff, and and uh, just too much pressure for. Her. Uh, there's just you know it's it's a lot it's, it's it's a lot of money it's the funding that's the huge part buddy right yep. there Ann Roberts yeah. was terrific in her own right God bless her yeah she is she's quite quite the talented girl she's not listening to this uh, particular interview is she no she oh figure whew. it out okay. <laughs> she's out she's out making money to put on the team and I like that all right buddy have you named all your sponsors you would like to recognize on the program uh yeah. Again, Motocorse and Performance for phenomenal work, and Dale Cordley's on-track development team. Um, you know, Chris Boy, Carl Cohen, Larry Zulo was my mechanic at the track, and Al Brown, Al Brown for for doing all the fab work and building the bike. Mike Fitzgerald, Thermosman Suspension, Sixty Helmets, of course. Uh, Moto America, Dunlop, and Moto Liberty RSHE keeps me safe as well, and CD Boots, and that's about it. Now, does does Roberts make you run the track first, physically run the track in boots? She knows. She knows better. So, so you're going to no, go out and do it all by yourself? No, I'm not that. Yeah, I, 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 hardly, I hardly walk the track anymore. <laughs> I crawl the track. You've been to all of them. Do me a favor. When you're there at VIR, um, keep your eyes wide open. I remember I was announcing there, and I walked across the track, and I didn't know they had started the uh, electric bikes. <laughs> and dude, you can't hear them coming. They are so yeah, quiet. Michael Jordan said to me, he said one of the scariest things he's ever seen was the electric bikes. And the first time he ever saw him go around that track, he said, there's got to be some kind of sound effect. Can't we put like uh, playing cards or, you know, uh, uh, tops cards or whatever in the spokes and let them do that sound that, you know, just to let people know. I understand there's advantages to racing battery powered vehicles these days and driving the same but um this if, there, if there's no sound you know we're, it's kind of like watching a silent movie yeah you, you, big speakers with some 500 gp <laughs> notes coming out of it <laughs> barney thanks for joining us but i appreciate it uh my pleasure talk to you guys soon all right god bless you but there we go michael barnes we call him barney he's on the program and uh, always a fun interview he bounces with us you know what i mean we can bounce from back and forth and around the around the table no matter who's in the studio but pj it's always fun when you get to interact with these cats because i know you love them absolutely i've uh, met barney at the track four he's an amazing racer 10 commandments if i say that uh, to most young racers, for sure, and even the more senior veterans who are now uh, racing for brand names still go back to the Loretta Lynn's. Well, they're recreating that as we speak in Winterset, Iowa. And here to talk to us and joining us now is our good buddy, Tony Wink. Tony, you're hard at work creating the Ten Commandments. And as far as I know, that's only been done, done twice. I think it was either Moses or Noah. I can't remember. But also uh, Loretta Lynn said, if we're going to do it, we're going to do it right. There's got to be a biblical play here, and Ten Commandments is the way to do it. <laughs> well, I, I don't think Moses made the Ten Commandments. He's the one that brought them off the hill. He carried them. After, he, carried, he was the carrier. His first complaint was, hey, could we do it on paper next time? <laughs> but uh, there was actually 15 commandments, if you remember. He dropped one of the stones. So anyway, 10 commandments. Talk to us about what you did to prep 
to to bring all that information back because it's not easy to replicate a track at all. Well, you know, and you look at the jumps and you think, well, there's nothing to them. But you watch the way that the ride, you know, I go down to Loretta's every year for when I work for Wiseco and, and I raced it a couple of years ago. I guess it's been four or five now, but, and I'm planning on racing it this year in the, in the 40 class. So I thought, how cool would that be for all the racers to have that, to, to practice on and myself. So last weekend we went down to the Loretta Lynn spring ride while we were there. Alex, the, uh, I think that's his name, ranch manager. It's Loretta's grandson. Uh, he gave me permission to go out onto the track and we, uh, me and uh, my buddy, Nick Jenkins with Gano excavating, he went with me and we went down there and, and we, um, we rep, we, we got all the, it's a three to one grade. They're 24 on average, I'd say 24 feet apart from peak to peak. Um, and, uh, there's more uh, vert on the backside than the front, and all that means is it's kind of a booger to to redo to to replicate. And I, man, I'm telling you what, it kicked my butt. I had all the dirt already <laughs> piled up there. I spent all day on them, and I'm still not sure they're exactly right, but they're pretty close. And I had Colin Hickman; he came out today and showed us how to go through them fast, and they weren't even watered. And I don't know. I think. I think once they get 100 bikes going through them on Saturday for open practice, I think they'll be pretty close. Oh, they just need to be packed in a bit, you think, Tony? Well, the, the, the weird, there's not much lift on the jump, but there's kind of a sharp backside. So you could – it's hard to uh, jump through them, but you can't really blitz because there's not enough – you don't get enough run at it. So they kind of get cupped out, I guess would be the way to, to – you know, as you're when you land, the the, the gas, you know, you, the tire kicks the dirt up, and it it kind of creates holes, and they're kind of uneven, and and I think we got a pretty good start, but you know, and, and when we measured them down there, obviously there was no racing going on like there is in in uh, July and August, so for the national, so they they do change a fair bit throughout the week when you're racing down there, but I can imagine. I think we got it. You've, got a, you've had a lot of rain down there. Has it affected your ability to develop the track uh, or not? Well, yeah, it's actually, we've had a pretty good dry run right now, but yes, the, the, uh, the track actually flooded this year, like a lot of flooding around here, but I've got to set up. It's, it, it drains very well. Okay. And, um, we did a, uh, we put a, a two foot culvert, uh, 400 foot of it. It's a lot. It's very expensive. It was close to uh, 15,000 bucks to wow. do this. And uh, again, Gano Excavating came out and gave me a really good deal on it, but they, uh, they, they put a culvert all the way out to drain the track. We've always had one, but it's just been basically a great big ditch through the back of the track <laughs> with a 40 foot culvert. Now we've got the whole thing. So it really opened up the track and um, short answer is yes, it's been tough to, uh, to, to do this, but mostly because I've had so much stuff planned. Tony, Kinda real like, quick, real quick, the, uh, we've got our next guest waiting in the wings, but, uh, this weekend is available for what? Yep. So Saturday, April 20th, we're going to have an open practice. Mm -hmm. Nicklin power sports is bringing out KTMs, Yamahas, betas, uh, for demo rides. Very cool. Like, I think 10, yeah. And then we're having a swap meet. 
um, which we've never done, and I've had a really good response. People are going to bring old gear and bike parts, and I don't know what else. And I even had a guy from Missouri say, ask if he could bring truck accessories, and I said, absolutely. It's 10 bucks to get in, nothing to bring your, your stuff, you know, if you want to buy or sell or whatever, and <laughs> come ride the bikes, and it's going to be good. Good uh, weather, too. Always having fun thinking of the fans every step of the way. RiversideRaceway.net. Tony, thank you. We'll look forward to seeing you in a bit. Thanks, guys. God bless you. There we go. It's one of the best guys I know. Uh, let's go to our next guest. If you're ready, uh, we'll go to him next. Uh, line 12, Jack. Uh, let's go to Tristan. Tristan Hart. Tristan, how are you? Good. How are you? Good, man. Congratulations on uh, signing that, uh, that that big deal. I mean, let's face it. Uh, you know, when you get a great team like RPM Racing that uh, not only comes to calling, but they want to sign you, uh, I'd say that's a tip of the cap and a big hearty. How are you? Very good. Yeah, I'm super happy to be on the RPM team after the SRT team decided to go another way. So, yeah, I'm happy to be back on KTM. It happens, doesn't it, PJ? I mean, seriously. I mean, you're going to see teams there's, change all the time. There's change in racing. It is part. It is literally one of the can't take a personal one of the constants in racing. So you got a little bit. You got a little while before the beginning of the uh, enduro cross season that you're going to be competing in, right? Yeah, it starts in July. Round one, July. First week of July, <laughs> which is good for me because my wrist is still healing from when I dislocated and broke it. Oh uh, wow! Round three. So are you doing? Are you able to even? Are you currently not riding and just doing rehab and and training what you can with uh, that injury? No, I started riding in February or something, which was about five or six months after, and I've been riding for like two months, give or take now. And I did the Odessa one hundred a couple weeks ago, and that's like one of the gnarliest races I've ever done. It was just whooped out for three hours, and my wrist was absolutely is gone at the end of that race does so. it get inflamed does it does it uh, expand in size what happens what do you experience uh just the jarring the anything that's just gonna jar my wrist it yeah. just gets super sore and then I, I can barely hold on and yeah it's not it's not ideal <laughs> the, Od- the odessa 100 that's uh clearly a hundred mile race down in texas uh that one is in it's right by spokane washington Odessa, gosh, there's another Odessa. Whenever I hear Odessa, I think Texas. Well, I think of the Odessa file, which was a great motion picture based on a true story. Where, where are you based out of, Tristan? Uh, I'm two and a half hours away from Calgary. So I'm in a little town called Invermere, British Columbia, which is only population 3,000, so I'm sure no one really knows it. <laughs> well, still you get free health care, right? <laughs> kind of. Kind of, yeah. I would imagine there's get in probably, line six months later. That would be a whole other deal. <laughs> understanding how it is for Canadian racers, because I assume there's some some stipulations to the the healthcare deal. Yeah, I have pretty expensive travel travel tests when I'm in the states. It's all looking after, which I haven't got a bill yet from my wrist because I dislocated it in Reno and I had to get emergency oh boy surgery there. So that was a bit of a a little sketchy. They tried to life light me home, and then the doctors didn't want me to get life lighting because my wrist needed immediate surgery. So wow. it was just like, and I was not even in it. I was like completely out, all drugged up. Wow. Yeah. Med- medically rough. prescribed drugs, though, of course. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, so that's <laughs> that is uh, that is an unfortunate part of racing that happens, and for an international racer, it certainly happens to our American racers we, when they race overseas. It got, happens. You've got to be awfully careful though with a wrist injury because Tony Tony Wink, our own Tony Wink, uh, was misdiagnosed, and part of his wrist actually died, uh, which makes his his range of motion when he's twisting the throttle or. Uh, I think it's on his right wrist. And when he twists that throttle, uh, let me tell you something. There's a there's a limited range of motion, and you need everything you got, right? Yeah, this is my throttle hand too, actually, and I don't have my full range of motion. I'm wearing a Mobius wrist brace right now, so it limits it to almost no range of motion. Wow. So trying to ride on the throttle with no range of motion, and that's been a big adapt for me. I've had to adapt to that. So have you have you gone to like a quick turn throttle of some of some type? I would assume. I've gone to like yeah half turn throttle or something, which seems to help, but it's not ideal. It's it's not because what you get when you speed up throttle action so much is you get a far less. You know, it's just everything happens faster. You're it's really hard to control throttle input when it's all happening in a very short range. What's your choice, yeah. rear brake or front brake? What's your favorite? Front brake for sure. Okay, I just want to make sure that's the one that slows you down. <laughs> yep. The back brake makes you look like an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Oh man, did I look like an idiot for a long time? Um, all right, but we've got short time here to get you an opportunity. Name off the sponsors. Who do you want to uh, sh- give a shout out to? Yeah, massive thanks to the whole RPM, KTM, FMF, Maxis, Climb, Just One, Motorex, CD Boots. Speckled, the whole team, of course, my parents, all my family, all my fans. Yeah. Came in fourth in Las Vegas, dude. Nice job out of you. And uh, we're looking forward. That was in the works, by the way, in the Pro MC class. Uh, we're looking forward to uh, continued success. Heal up well. Again, uh, first time we'll see you racing with the uh, new and improved wrist. Uh, the Reno Enduro Fest in two weeks. Wow. It's an extreme Enduro. I hope it's warm there for you. You know, heat does help, right? Yes, absolutely. God bless you, buddy. Thanks for taking the time to join us and uh, going out of order, as it were. But, Tristan, always good to talk to you. Yeah, thanks for having me. There we go. Tristan Hart uh, going to the uh, pits area, by the way. Do you want to thank Tommy Boy Halverson, Creative Questions on the program. Thanks to Chris Bishop and Jack and Leanne DeLeon for providing the uh, media meal tonight, the hot, delicious chili. And what better day to do it when the temperature reached the highest 78 here in central Iowa. I want to thank uh, Eddie Kulakamp, Tony Wink, Roman Avila, PJ Duran, always. T- uh, PJ, I hope you had a good time. Absolutely. Don't forget to check out the website, riversideraceway.net, for the weekend. If you're in the Midwest, I think they would love to see you there, and I know you would like to ride the Ten Commandments. For all of us at Evergreen Podcast Productions and Pit Pass Motor Racing Weekly, the home base, of course, the iHeart Studios, I'm Scott Casper speaking. Talk to you next week. Hey everybody, it's Scott Casper from Pit Pass Radio. V-Rubber offers a whole range of performance motocross and off-road tires. 
starting with the VRM229 for hard pack supercross settings and the VRM300. It's designed for intermediate soil conditions. The most popular tire is the VRM140. It's designed for soft to intermediate environments. All knob tires are available in the most popular motocross and off-road sizes as well. The VRM308R Trials is the perfect choice for real technical conditions and it's now available in a new four-stroke model for racing or recreation riding big four-strokes. The newest addition is the V-Line Do-All VRM340, a heavy-duty off-road tire that is DOT-approved. Most of the tires are available in the new slow-rebound tacky compound for extremely technical environments. It's V-Rubber and the tacky tires, the choice of Sherco off-road. Racers say when using a tacky, it's almost like cheating. It's V-Rubber. Motorcycle Talk Show. I got me a date with some of the motocrosses up around the way. Your source for weekly updates on what's happening in the world of motorcycle racing. You know how fast you're going? Industry news, trends, the people involved. I'm Ricky Carmichael. This is Kevin Schwartz. This is Josh Timoth. This is Kelly Smith. This is Travis Latour. This is Jeremy McGrath. And now, Pit Pass Radio. Well, I'd like to say live from our palatial studios in San Diego, California. But I'm not. I'm going to say it's from Des Moines, Iowa. That's where we're at. It's Pit Pass Motor Racing Weekly, live from the iHeart Studios. And I do want to recognize our corporate sponsor, and that is our presenting sponsor. No, they're not. They're our partners. They're our bosses. Evergreen Podcast. What? what can we ever get our, our copier fixed? I mean, it. it the, the whole center part of that first paragraph is gone. i got to make it all up. And it's, just, it's not professional, Jack, because there's something we can do collectively as a people. Not my monkey, not my circus. <laughs> Can't hear you. Took my headphones off. Of course Anyway, uh, welcome back to the show. Scott Casper with you. Tony Wink, as always. PJ Duran here. Um, do want to thank Tommy Boy Halverson, Chris Bishop for their contributions. Jack and Leon DeLeon, our producers. And uh, first hour, missed it. Go back and grab it. Zach Osborne started things up in style. Kyle Peters came along, made us laugh, and filled us in on what's going on and how he is uh, doing. And then Henry Wiles was just a few minutes late, but nonetheless, he graced us with his presence due up. Hour number two on the program, Jeff May, but we start the hour off with Kyle Wyman. He joins us. Kyle, how are you? Good. How are you guys doing? Man, we're good, and I want to congratulate you. I'm the first guy on Pit Pass, anyway, to congratulate you, but I bet it's been a pretty fun week so far. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's been great. Feels feels awesome. 
That is, and we asked somebody. I think it was DeSalvo a couple of weeks ago when we had him on. Do you get the Do you get the rolly when you win, or was that a qualifying only thing? Yeah, now it's when you win. It used to be. It was a qualifying. It was Super Bowl that got you the Daytona. Now the win gets. It switches the way it should be. Yeah, to the winner go the spoils. Right. So you got a new Rolex. You're rocking around town. Cheers to you, sir. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Pretty surreal still. What do you take for it? Sorry? <laughs> He's trying to buy oh, your watch. <laughs> what do you take <laughs> for it? Has anybody asked you yet? No, they, uh, you know, they're so far so good. I don't, I haven't really worn it around much, so, you know. Oh man, I'd be wearing it right now. Uh, that's it. It is awesome, and what a great race, Kyle. I mean, it it varies. It, it's a long race. It's an endurance race, and uh, the the way this one played out just reminds uh, fans of endurance racing. You know, it's never over till it's over. Um, for our listeners who didn't get to watch, you know, there was you got a bit of a reprieve with about four laps left. You were a little bit off the lead group and looked certain to have a podium locked up, but thanks to the well unfortunately for the for the bad luck of one rider uh brought the group back together and the lead lap came together for a four lap sprint uh you, you did an amazing job what, what what was going through your head on the line well i mean i i knew i had to lead it actually which sounds so weird but um i was ha- having a lot of struggles drafting to the line the whole race you know the whole first stint even in the pack racing and stuff I, I just was not able to make it happen to the line from the chicane so my strength was in the infield and coming out on you know onto the onto the banking and um i just i knew i had to try to lead it try to break away you know i, I feel like we all had our own uh we all had our share of, of bad luck i think in this deal but you know everything came back and there were six of us on the lead lap we all had a chance to win it and i put my head down and got to make it happen so i'm just grateful and thankful and worked out pretty good yeah there's and no implication is being made that you did not well and goodly deserve this win kyle it you have to run all 200 miles that's always been the case with this race this is not the first nor do i imagine it'll ever be the last time that something happens in the late laps bringing the field back together it's happened historically in this race a lot and it's just part of the deal um it really did look like uh, <laughs> you were struggling there, though. That's that's funny you said that. I, I really was paying attention, obviously, along with everyone else watching that last four laps, because it got real entertaining after it had uh, slowed down a little bit, at least from the fans' perspective. It got real entertaining for that last sprint. Uh, what do you think it was? They, I mean, were you out of gear? Was that the problem? I don't know. It just it, it seemed like... I was kind of in, we had a thing geared really tall and I was kind of in between gears on the banking. So I was either really revved out or I was kind of lugging it depending on it. Just the timing of being able to get a drafted pull out and keep pulling wasn't there for me. It was pretty well geared for running by myself, obviously, you know, so maybe that's something we got to look at. It's just kind of a strategy thing, but, um, you know, luckily we, we had such a, uh, you know, Pirelli tires work good. We had, you know, four lap sprint so we could go light fuel load, new tires, and um, 
you know, I, I feel like I had to win that race twice almost, you know, in the second stint, I found that I had some pace and I decided to pull the pin, built a five second gap. And then we didn't actually lose it in the pits. We lost it all on the, on the in lap. I ran out of gas on the last lap of the second stint and my lead evaporated. The guys came blind, you know, flying by me in NASCAR four before I pulled in. So, yeah, it was just highs and lows of a 200-mile race that lasts so long, you know? It's like, for a while, I was like, okay, I'm third. I've got to conserve fuel because I don't know if that was a dump can issue or what that made me run out in the second stint. So I pretty much accepted my fate at third, which I thought for running out of fuel at one point is a pretty damn good result, you know? And, and my f- initial reaction to the red flag was that I was bummed because I didn't think I would have a chance in, in the pack. You know, I knew I had a chance, and, you know, maybe if there was two other guys, I could put my head down and, and break away, but I, I didn't think I had a chance in a restart pack like that. So I was, I was bummed at first, and then, you know, I said, I got to try it. What do you think out. about, a, uh, unrelated or not so unrelated, there were a number of guys who uh, we will not call them couch potatoes because they just ran a 200, but there are a number of guys that aren't actively campaigning uh, full seasons such as yourself. We know you and your training regimen to be uh, you know, world-class. You're in killer shape. There are a couple older guys right in the mix there, well past the halfway point when you would expect, uh, maybe expect uh, guys who weren't 100% fit to uh, keep keep being there. Well, I mean, I think it, what do you think it says about uh, a number of the guys out there? There's, it's a pretty good list, actually. Yeah, I mean, it's it's Daytona. You got you got a little bit of time to catch your breath. You know, I think Daytona is not really, like, hard on the heart. You know, it's not like a really physical track. It's hard on a joint because you're just, like, your knees are bent for two hours. You're looking as if you're trying to look straight up or over the back of your head for two hours. Your neck's just, I mean, the red flag was terrible because that's when you realize how much pain you're in from, like, holding, you know, certain positions and stuff. If you got injuries, like, I've broken vertebrae in my neck and stuff, so my neck is just wrecked in the 200. Burns, right? Just horrible. Like, I just want to go flag to flag because I don't want to realize, you know, how much pain I'm in, you know, and have to go back out and ride more. So, that was... That was kind of part of it, but, I mean, it's just, uh, yeah, it's cool to see everybody up in there. Good fight, good names, proper field, you know, a lot of lot of good names in there that could have really won it. Um, that's why it makes it even, even sweeter to have come away with, with a win. And um, we're definitely going to have to come back next year and defend it now. For sure. And can you describe for me and, and maybe our listeners, I mean, for me in my case, I've been in D- D- Daytona – several times and you know I, I got and i go there for the supercross or why i have always gone in the past but uh, uh you know the you don't realize how steep the banking is at daytona and i've done several track days but never road raced but never ridden on anything like that and i always wonder what that would be like and i've watched you guys race in there and, you know, and, and I've stood on the wall on the outside and watched, and it's so cool. And you guys, it look like you're about two inches from the wall, and maybe you are. But uh, what's that like as a rider to go around that wall? It's To me, it just seems like it'd be a lot of G-force, for one thing, and uh, just just really cool, I would think. No, it, it is really cool. It's, uh, 
it's special. I mean, coming there for a long time now, it's just it's just normal. You know, you're kind of used to it. But I remember my first time, and the the best way for me to explain it is like it's almost like you're in a loop because you you know you have the G force. It feels like you're straight up and down, but you're almost perpendicular to the ground, and you can't see the end of the banking when you enter it. So when you first get up in there, you can't even look far enough ahead to see where it ends, and it feels like you're straight up and down. It feels like you're in an endless loop. Yeah, and having done, I have raced uh, at a, a NASCAR Speedway at Nashville when it used to be an operating racetrack, uh, r- raced where there, nothing like Daytona, but man, the on and off of the banking was brutal. I mean, I would smash my chin bar. I mean, is that even, I see you guys coming out of, that's the International Horseshoe, right? When you wheelie out of there, out of the chicane and up onto the banking? It's a smooth transition. It's it is. It even turns, yeah, it's, it's pretty good. You know, the only the only time you have an issue is if you're kind of tight coming out of six on the other side on the west banking. If you're tight, you got you know a bigger steeper steeper grade. Apron, you know, it, it becomes a little bit uh, a little abrupt of a of a change there, but typically it's not a big deal. Yeah, that's uh, it is it is a different thing, and yeah, that track is long enough. Uh, yeah, that's got to be wild. Pin it without knowing exactly where your exit point is till you get there. That is that. It's got to be a little unsettling, isn't it? Yeah, figure it out. <laughs> you get used to it. It's what you say. You get used to yeah. it. Well, I mean this this portends well for your season, doesn't it, Kyle? Uh, it's got to make your sponsors happy. It's got to make you happy. Put a little gas money in the tank. Are you uh, stoked and ready for the season to kick off? What, Circle of the Americas is uh, the first official round of your full season, right? Uh, Road, Amer- or Road Atlanta, actually. Sorry, sorry. I'm, we're, I've we're, got... Uh, yep, we've got uh, Road, Amer- Road Atlanta... God, I keep doing that. Road Atlanta first. Road America is my favorite track. I just love it. So. Me too. We go we go to Atlanta, and that's our season opener. We used to kick it off at Coda, but being kind of the sideshow with uh, MotoGP, it's better for Moto America to have their own debut, you know, round of the year and stuff like that. So it's um, yeah, it's coming up two and a half weeks. We uh, we got some work to do on these Ducatis. Yeah, and are you? I mean, how is development going? I assume you've. Uh... I mean, do you get to work someone at your level you're clearly a talented and professional race organization team manager you, you wear a lot of hats do you get data from anybody in Europe who's clearly been racing this machine and might have the you know at least the ability to share something useful yeah that's really been the um, the best part of our relationship with Ducati is the uh, connection to Ducati Corsa I mean it's been almost daily conversations with those guys passing down stuff that they learn uh even you know big congrats from those guys from winning the 200 this weekend that was pretty cool to see you know that they're they're kind of watching from over there so yeah it's been a really good really good relationship so far we've got a lot to learn there's no question but uh having their them in our corner is a huge help Learn, learn. Uh, you're going to have some on-the-job training here, real quick, right? And uh, your Gary Dean is that right? Is he? He's uh, involved yep. in your. Yep. So I, I thought that's what I was. I was thinking. Uh, so, so you've got, uh, you know, two and a half weeks. Do you have any kind of testing in between now and then, or is it a matter of just loading the trailer and getting going? We may not get the test. It might. We might just show up. 
at Atlanta. We'll we'll have to see. We're going to try to sneak in two days in in Arizona if we can, but um, nothing's guaranteed at this point. We've got a lot of work to do still, and um, you know we just got to put together something that's going to get there and be consistent and make race distance with the fuel and just build from there. But we've got a pretty good plan and see how it comes together. Well, clearly, if you're watching. Uh Anything happening in World Superbike, uh, the bike is now six for six if we're counting these Super Pole races. So that's got to at least uh, make you feel good uh, and to know the package can be a race winner uh, against some of the best in the world. I mean, does that even play into anything for you, Kyle, or is it 100% about what happens under your garage roof? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's mostly what's happening here. You know, we got the bikes two weeks ago. They've had them for... A year, a year and a half. You know what I mean. So, it definitely is a little bit steeper for us, but the potential's there. I mean, I've ridden the bike in stock trim, and it just blows away anything else I've ever ridden. Honestly, really? So, yeah, I mean, it's just uh, it's purpose built homologation special. I mean, it's it's definitely a race bike out of the box. So, hopefully, it comes in at a higher level right out of the gate, and then our development will be highly influenced by Ducati Corsa. And we will do our best to follow their instructions because it seems like they kind of know what they're doing over there. <laughs> Just pull the turn signals off and you're ready to go. It sounds like it's easy. You make it yeah. sound so easy. Got winglets, man. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it absolutely does. It's uh, it's clearly been an impressive machine uh, everywhere it's gone. That's that is a uh, high praise coming from a guy like you. You've ridden most of the packages out there, at least briefly, and spent a good time on uh, the one that's done really well here in the United States uh, in our series. So that's uh, it, that is it's saying interesting something. to hear. That is definitely saying something. Uh, not every guy can say it and mean as much as. Uh, when Kyle Wyman does any any other new developments in your race team anything that's got you real excited obviously the bike being the big one yeah I mean it's been a culmination of things um, you know some new sponsors genuine brochure chickens coming on board for a couple rounds to help us out really pumped that they're going to stick around in the paddock this year um, you know picking up just some help here and there that's going to be uh, a big deal moved to alpine stars gear this year i'm excited about that how is that you know, it's just awesome just amazing amazing equipment as you'd expect but um but yeah i mean it's uh it's really cool i've got also so gary dean is back of course uh, I've, I've actually brought in uh darren marshall from uh he he worked with the uh, yoshimura crew last year and he's going to be doing our electronics this year and um, we're going to be working with Ducati Corsa on their kit Morelli system that we're going to implement probably by the fourth round of the season. So I'm excited about that. I've never ridden on those sophisticated electronics, but uh, we're going to we're going to go for it because Ducati has built their own software and program and everything to uh, to work with their V4R, and they're going to help us get it set up and rolling. So that's going to be really cool. That is, I mean, you're essentially talking World Superbike kit now. I mean, that is yep. the very, you're going to be rolling essentially the same package that they, that Mr. Bautista is so dominant with right now. Yep, we'll have some baselines and, you know, we'll be able to definitely work with those guys directly to help us get on a path of our own. You know, tracks are different. 
tires are different. Stuff's different. You know, it's, it's the same but different. You know, there's just uh, we've got to make it work for me and how I ride on these tracks and uh, hopefully come up with a package that suits me pretty well and we'll see what we're capable of. Absolutely. That is... Uh that is absolutely witnessed in our uh, in the the most recent of uh, World Superbike races. I'm a huge fan of Chaz Davis. Have been ever since he started racing here as a very young racer in uh, the AMA series, and he's been an absolute terror on the Ducati until this season. And he seems to be a little bit struggling as his teammates really putting it down. I don't know what to think of that. Well, I mean, I, I, I'd be speaking out of turn if I was going to speak to that at all, you know. So uh, I, I don't know what's going on there, but uh, Chaz is a great rider, and I think he'll figure it out. Kyle, you want to thank some of the sponsors that helped you go racing this past week and, and then in the future this, this coming season? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to have plenty of time to talk about Ducati, so I want to really give a huge shout-out to the NC Track Days crew, Bobblehead Moto, the entire group of guys that got us a, a Daytona 200 championship. It's just unbelievable amount of support from them. They really gave me like a, a factory feel. Like they just pick, took care of everything. I still helped plan a lot of the stuff, but they let me come in there and be relaxed and be a rider, and I think that's really why we were able to take it home. So just huge thanks to those guys, and can't wait to come out to some of their track day events on the East Coast and do a ride and all that. As Kyle Wyman celebrating his first Daytona 200 victory. Congratulations, Kyle. Thank you. You all get right. to say that all year, Kyle, for the next entire year. You I are. won the last 200. That's right. Yep, awesome. All right, Kyle Wyman's been our guest. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk to another fella who is, uh, has competed in the Daytona 200, Jeff May. This is Pit Pass. Stay tuned. Hey, this is Jeremy McGrath, and you're listening to Pit Pass Moto Racing Weekly. Hey everybody, it's Scott Casper from Pit Pass Radio. V-Rubber offers a whole range of performance motocross and off-road tires, starting with the VRM229 for hard pack supercross settings, and the VRM300. It's designed for intermediate soil conditions. The most popular tire is the VRM140. It's designed for soft to intermediate environments. All knob tires are available in the most popular motocross and off-road sizes as well. The VRM308R Trials is the perfect choice for real technical conditions, and it's now available in a new four stroke model for racing or recreation riding big four strokes. The newest addition is the V-Line Dual VRM340, a heavy-duty off-road tire that is DOT approved. Most of the tires are available in the new slow rebound tacky compound for extremely technical environments. It's V-Rubber and the tacky tires, the choice of Sherco off-road. Racers say when using a tacky, it's almost like cheating. It's V-Rubber. No speed limits, no tickets, and no left-turning minivans. Track Addicts Track Days allows you to experience the performance of your sport bike in a safe and fun environment. Track Addicts Track Days offers a variety of programs, ranging from their new rider school to their advanced group sessions for experienced track riders. Get all the details at trackaddicts.com. That's trackaddix.com. Or call Ducati Omaha at 402-408-4400. Learn to ride your sport bike the way it was meant to be ridden with Track Addicts Track Days. 
It's a fact. The best you've ridden is the best you know. Until you've ridden Racetech suspension, you haven't experienced the best suspension possible. Racetech is the science of suspension for ATV and UTVs, motocross, freestyle, and stunning, off-road, supermoto, road race, sport bikes, cruisers, touring, and vintage bikes, as well as adventure riding. With gold valve kits to upgrade your stock forks and shocks and our G3S Custom Series shocks, you too can have the Racetech suspension advantage. And it's all made in the USA. For more information about Racetech products and applications, visit our website at Racetech.com. America's Motor Racing Talk Show, Pit Pass Motor Racing Weekly, comes your way each Sunday morning from 8 to 10, right here on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. If you're passionate about riding motorcycles, both off-road and on, check out the full line of Yamaha Dual Sports at Hicklin Power Sports. The Yamaha TW200 features Yamaha's famous reliability, electric start, an ultra-low seat, and comfortable fat tires, making it one of the industry's simplest to ride motorcycles. The Yamaha XT250 offers the same ultra-dependable, user-friendly performance, but in a more versatile, powerful, and lighter weight package. And for riders who like to take their fun off-road more than on, there's the high-performance enduro-derived Yamaha WR250R, featuring long-travel suspension and advanced high-end design. Whatever your budget or riding style, Yamaha has a dual-sport model that's right for you. For more, visit YamahaMotorsports.com today. Then visit Hicklin Power Sports and Grimes to see the new 2017 models from Yamaha, the first name in dual sports. Dress properly for your ride with a helmet, eye protection, long sleeves, long pants, gloves, and boots. Do not drink and ride. It's illegal and dangerous. Don't wait another minute for that new dream home you've always wanted. I'm Tony Wink for Jack Daly on Construction. For 66 years, the DeLeon family has been building custom homes, existing home remodeling, and adding on for customers across central Iowa. The DeLeons will offer you one-on-one attention that the big builders simply can't. They'll walk you through the process so you'll get the home that you want. Jack works well with your plans or can show you from his library of over 1,200 house plans and make your dreams a reality. Call the DeLeons at 515-321-5225. Tell them you heard about them on Pit Pass Radio and receive 5% off the price. Jack DeLeon Construction, serving Iowa since 1946. Hey, uh, this is Roger DeCosta, uh, team manager for Red Bull KTM, and uh, you guys uh, better li- listen to Pit Pass. I want to give a big shout out to um, Racetech, the science of suspension. For nearly 30 years, Racetech has been producing the highest quality suspension components and tools, including gold valves for most types of motorcycles and ATVs. Visit their website at Racetech.com and you will find a lot of uh, guys using Racetech and Supercross now, a lot more than you used to. Um, and it's, it has to do, I think, with... Um, management and uh, some of the people they brought on they've really you know race tech back in the day was cutting edge and and then there was a time i think when the oem stuff pretty much was a kit type stuff from three or four years ago and it's and they've really had to go to work to improve on what oem shims valves and that kind of things um would uh, suspension setups would be in off-road and so now race tech is has really uh, come a long way. So um, I know firsthand through uh, some of the, through myself as a rider and through some of the uh, guys that are a little more um, accomplished than me that uh, race to, to say the least, uh, race tech has, has really come a long way. So if uh, if it's good enough for the guys in Supercross, it's surely uh, good enough for all of us. So I, I 
encourage everybody to check it out, racetech.com. All right, we just finished up a conversation with uh, the guy that won the Daytona 200, Kyle Wyman. He's, uh, he's talked, he touched on that and uh, his program coming up this year on the Ducati. We go now to Jeff May, another fellow who's been on the show many, many times, and we are excited to have him back. Welcome back, Jeff May. How are you? What's up, guys? How you doing? Man, we're better than... Uh, we deserve. We deserve, for sure. Better than we deserve. Fastest banker in America we're talking to, though. <laughs> no, the world, man. Come on. Fastest man. banker in the world. Get it straight, Doran. Fastest banker in the world. That was a heck of a good race. Uh, you were in with the lead group right to the end there. Uh, how'd, the, how'd the early part of the race go? We know how the end went, but the, the early part of the race, you were, you were right in there for the first uh, measurable portion of the race. Yeah, we managed to stay on the lead lap even with a I had a stop and go penalty that the fans choice guys didn't really cover. Uh, they did not because I watched it. I, and I wondered what happened actually. Yeah, we had a little we had a little incident where the front wheel wasn't quite out yet when the fuel guy went to put the fuel on. Um one of the fuel one the guy on the back tire actually yelled clear and we weren't clear. So the fuel guy went and dumped the fuel. And uh, they were still working on the bike, so that's a ride-through penalty. And they—I didn't even see it, but they called me on it. So I came in and did my fastest possible stop and go ever, and uh, <laughs> managed to only lose, I think, like twenty-something seconds. So it wasn't a bad in-and-out lap at all. But uh, that put me farther back, but I still managed to stay on the lead lap. And then with the crazy NASCAR uh, style finish there at the end there, it's uh, like, man, I got a shot at winning this thing. <laughs> it's pretty crazy. And it's not the first time we were we were just talking to Wyman, as Tony said. Uh, this isn't the, you've been at a lot of Daytonas, Jeff. Uh, as as American racers go, you've been there quite a lot. I mean, you've had this happen before, right? Maybe not this exact number of laps, but it's happened, right? Yeah, I mean, it's happened before, you know, and I, I thought about it for both sides. You know, for the fans' sake, I thought it was great. You know, as a, as a racer, though, you're like, man, this sucks. I just rode 54 laps. You did what you did, established your position. You got guys that got robbed, and you got guys that, hand, that got handed a gift. But at the end of the day, that creates a whole lot of excitement for the fans. And, you know, our sport needs that. I think that's more important. And that is that's why we go racing, right? I mean, that's 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 why we are race fans, and that's why you guys go racing to to uh, you know to try to be the best in that situation, right? Yeah, you know that's racing, right? Like you say that even when we don't have a red flag and you fall down trying to win or something, or the guy in front of you falls down, and then you win the race and you inherit it. So that's racing. Things happen. It's a gamble, and that's why we love it because it's exciting, and you never know what's going to happen. You never know what's going to happen. I'm just, I think back to years past, some of the crazy things we've seen at Daytona. Guys, spread eagle in the middle of the track to force a red flag. Guys doing flying drop kicks on the banking. There's <laughs> there's a laundry list of things that have happened at Daytona. That really is uh, in my memory, and I'm not the oldest guy around. Uh, this doesn't even rank. It really is all that uh, earth shattering. It's just the way the race played out, and it again, it does happen. Uh, it happens at the world level as well. I mean, we've seen. Yeah, you know, also guys, they did the best job they could because it wasn't like a scenario where oh, they threw a red flag because you know this or that or you know, some, some bogus stuff. I mean, I think it was Jason Aguilar laying on the racetrack. Yeah. It looked like he wasn't doing so well. When I came by, 
and he was in turn one. I guess someone said his brakes didn't work or he didn't pump his brakes leaving the pit stall and he smashed into the wall and flipped over into the racetrack. So yeah, it was a necessary red flag for sure. Absolutely. And again, it's just the way it works out. It could be any racer and every racer deserves the same privilege. Get help to me if possible when I need it. Exactly. You know, when I, I can remember when I was like, 17 racing motocross i did the same thing i laid in the middle of the track and played because i went down right and i was playing possum i i was uh it's been done on tv before i'm I'm (laughs) telling you it was done at daytona on a live national broadcast Uh a very well-known racer went down in on lap one or two and nope i'm not having this i'm gonna spread eagle here till they stop this bad boy and Uh i get back on the bike and then what, run me over, make it for real. <laughs> yeah. Well, then I ended up going on to win that local motocross race that I that got red flagged, and boy, were they mad. Uh, there's not a lot you're of that a good goes soccer on. Soccer player growing up, huh? A what? Good soccer you're a good player. Soccer player growing up, right? <laughs> it's all about the dive. Like all about the dive. Yeah, I never played soccer, but I'm. But I get the reference. <laughs> uh, I don't like soccer, man. You like soccer, Jeff? I hope you're not talking to me. Yeah. <laughs> no, man. Sticking ball sports aren't my thing, man. Yeah, me neither. I'm, I think I'm the only. I played soccer quite a quite a lot, actually. I played it at the college level. I played at the in the U.S. Army, and uh, really, I enjoyed it. It was, uh, but I hated diving. So I really coaches didn't like me because I wouldn't dive. I wouldn't take a dive, Jeff. Yeah, I re- I respect the athleticism of it, but. Uh, you know, personally, it's not my thing. Um, you finished point two one three seconds, um, or, or the Wyman finished point two one three seconds ahead of second place, and uh, only one point two six oh six seconds, one point two seconds ahead of sixth place. It was. It, my point is, is at the end, it was it was a pretty awesome few laps to watch. It had to have been pretty neat from your perspective. Yeah, I mean, it was anybody's game from from my vantage point. Um, for me, I just didn't have the steam for some reason. I don't. I uh, I had another incident race. I got my fairing got smashed in by a, one of the big cones in the chicane. I don't know who it was. One or two guys in front of me kind of came together in the middle part of the race, and one of those cones got flipped up, and it was three foot tall, like orange traffic cones. It came flying at me at about 140 miles an hour there as I looked over the fourth gear and uh, smashed the whole left side of my fairing. And So I don't know if there was some aerodynamic stuff going on or what, but I had no problem with those guys in the bank or the infield, but when we got to the banking, they just started pulling away. And uh, I, I realized that I had no shot because it's it's all about that draft to the line at the end. Cause I, was right, I think I was right on the dead on the wheel of Sean Dillon Kelly coming out of the chicane maybe a foot or two off of him and he ended up getting second yeah how, uh, how crazy is it that kid, that kid is insanely fast for what he's 16 right yeah you he's, know we, we, we see that the guys that have spent time over in Europe Jagagne Cambubier you know all those guys that got that opportunity at a fairly young age you know it's, uh, it's a much more aggressive crowd over there and I'll tell you what, man, it does wonders for a rider's career and their ability. 
No, no doubt. He's, he's set the record for the youngest, not to take uh, anything away from anyone else in the race, you included, Jeff, but I mean, some interesting things happened. They, you know, they just added to the story that was this year's Daytona 200. Um, again, you've been doing this long enough. It, I really think that, I mean, it feels like the Daytona 200, although we know it never went away, it really feels like it's kind of come back, had a resurgence as a, as a race of importance or a race that talented and, and uh, you know, relevant motorcycle racers are taking part in. I think it's great. I mean, what do you think, uh, are, are teams still leery to let their, you know, their fast guys go race this because it's not a points paying race? I don't think that's it. I think that a lot of them are very, very focused on their season coming up, and it's more of the inconvenience factor that it's the first one. Um, and you pretty much throw the engine away after that race. So that makes it really hard to go into a season and have to basically do all this work in the off season and then junk the motor after one round. Um, and there's a big cost to it. Daytona's expensive to go do. And I think that's why some of the bigger teams are a little more adverse to go because the big money was never made by the purses by the big teams. The big teams are always supported by the manufacturers and their big sponsors. Uh, being that that race isn't part of, you know, say Moto America and with their new program on Fox Sports too, it doesn't make as much sense for them. Whereas you have some of the mid-level teams or other teams, they can find a way where it does make sense financially. You're starting to see all those guys come in and go, hmm, man, I can get a piece of that pie. Because, you know, if you're on a Yamaha, like Kyle Lyman, I'm sure he came out of there, you know, close to $40,000 in his pocket, uh, Daytona Rolex watch. Um, that's a really good payday. That's that's the best payday you're going to find in North America. What's that watch worth? I, I asked him, and he said it wasn't for sale. But I say give it a week or two, maybe. <laughs> Wait till he doesn't have a ride one day. We'll find out what it's worth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know that you can. You can't buy the exact one they give these guys, but I'm. It's I, 15 I, G's enough. I bet I'm I sure. can. Well, yeah, I mean, I guys mean, like Scott Russell and Miguel Dujamo have five each. Right, sure. they don't, <laughs> I'm not saying I can, but I'm saying somebody can buy that exact watch. It, it may not be me, but somebody's got deep enough pockets. I, and it's super tacky to ask at this point, but I went ahead and did it, Jeff. I went ahead and asked him. And <laughs> <laughs> Why not, right? <laughs> you never know. Um, Jeff Mays, our guest, and we're talking about the Daytona 200, which just took place. The uh, did you have some good time down there in, in Daytona, in Volusia County? Did you did you uh, go down on Main Street and see that ridiculousness? No, I, I didn't, man. I'm getting old, and it was all business. I was there to have fun and race and try to make a little bit of money and uh, put on a good show for the fans and my sponsors, and you know, see what see where it ended up. Um, you know, I, I still want to win that race. I think, uh, you know, going back to what you said you know, about Daytona and its relevance, I think at the end of the day, you're never going to see an asterisk next to someone's name and go, oh, it wasn't part of Moto America or AMA. No. You know, the day, it's, you won the Daytona 200, man. You're going down in history, just like the, all the other guys that did it before us, you know. Nobody looks at what the circumstances were. Um so I'm going to keep going back until I stamp my name on that trophy. Nice. And, I mean, it's uh, it's it's no joke. You guys, There's a lot of work that goes to it. There's a lot of work, man, a lot of moving parts. The team is super important. I mean, you saw that with, you know, Sean Dillon Kelly. He wouldn't have even had a shot at being on the podium if it wasn't for the red flag because, you know, he had an issue in the pits, as did a lot of guys. And that's, 
you know, you got to have a solid crew of five guys you got to bring in for this race that, you know, are very handy at what they do. they got to work in unison. Um, so it's, there's a, a million and one things that go into it, and at the end of the day, sometimes none of it even matters. It's just it's like the gods of Daytona. You know, they have their own mind. We can either go your way or it doesn't. You're uh, we, PJ called you the the world. Well, he said the country. I think you said the world's fastest banker. Um, but you're sponsored by them, right? Your your employer to go racing and do this. Is that right? Yeah. So I started with Ameris Bank and uh, right before Christmas, and they came on board as a sponsor as well because I showed what I've done the previous year with the previous bank. I was with the CBC National Bank, both mortgage banks pretty sizable banks and uh it's a very good form of advertising um you know as we all we all have a passion for racing um you know it's a business right people need to buy homes people need to refinance people need money people need to sell their home get another home whatever um the average life cycle of a mortgage is four years so uh, i've made a very good name for myself in the sport and made sure i never did anybody wrong or stepped on anybody in any sort of way and that has carried over into my business as a mortgage banker and so I go racing and I get business and that's how you should do sponsorship right is I'm able to give them a five to one return on the money they give me to go racing so it's a, it's a perfect marriage I get to go racing and continue my passion and then also be successful at business at the same point in time. So we, we had this conversation a year ago, right? We were talking about this, I believe. It was, maybe it was yep. two years ago. But uh, we were talking about, so when you say you, you give them a five-to-one return on their investment, are you are you selling mortgages to your fellow, to the guys you're competing with? Not so much. I mean, at the club racing level, yes. Um, but... You know, it, it's a tight-knit community. Um, I have a lot of guys that I've done business with through the Weira forum, Weira board. People reach out, for, you know, have a question about anything. They go on there and say, hey, guys, what about this? And um, I've had a lot of people that have spoke very highly of me, which has given me a lot of business. Um, and I've, I'm not a sales guy, right? Like, I've never been good at sales. I've always been very analytical with the motorcycle and been a development rider, so... I approach you know, mortgages the same way where it's like, hey, here's your options. They're just numbers. It's not trying to sell anybody on anything. And I think people think that's refreshing and they feel like they can trust me just knowing who I am, right? Like, I know this guy. He's not just some random Joe Schmo that I have to deal with. So it's, it seemed to have done pretty well. I'm, I, don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm really good at paying the mortgage on time, but I don't think I could compete in the Daytona 200. I'm not sure it's the same thing, Jeff. I'm not sure. Uh, <laughs> they're, they're, they're very different. Okay. <laughs> they are, they are, are not very fun, I can tell you. That. By comparison. <laughs> I, think, I think everybody knows that, whatever end of it you're on. What? Uh, so, Tony asked you, but did you get to watch the AFT races at all out there on the TT track? That would have been kind of cool to see. Were you, were you around at the facility at that hour of the day? No, you know, the best I got was I was within earshot. I could hear the guys announcing it. And I didn't hear all my fellow road racers that were taking part in here. Rispoli and Pegram and... Uh, Lewis was out there and J.D. J.D., all those guys. So it was cool hearing their names. So we were we were in the garages over there in the NASCAR, the yellow garages, doing pit stops and uh, getting ready for the race. So 
Like I said, it was it was pretty much all business. It's a tight little window. You get in there Thursday afternoon and got one day of Friday to get after it on the bike, and then you race Saturday, and it's over. It's a quick shot. Yeah, I've got a plan next year, and I'll probably if it comes together. And it's all circumstance as far that, that why I wouldn't be able to. There's no reason not at this point where I shouldn't be able to do this. But my plan is to go down there and watch the Supercross, race the GNCC on Sunday, which is an hour north, the off-road race. Come back Monday, watch the amateur racing or not. Um, Tuesday, they have a vintage motocross class or a race there and i've got like a cr 500 and who knows what else i'll bring down there and then spend thursday watching the the tt and then and then uh watch the 200 i've i've been there but i've it's been a long time so i maybe next year i'll get to see get to see you win that trophy or that watch and that uh, big payday for you That'd be awesome, man. I'll put you uh, put you in the hot pits. You can hang out and see it firsthand. You know, there's uh, there's quite a bit of amateur racing on the on the oval, right? All week long, there's CCS races or Azra races, one or the other. Yeah, you got CCS, and they have novice class. So you got guys that, you know, in theory, it could be their first weekend road racing ever going out there on Daytona. Speed oh my, a lot of fun to watch. Can we bring a bike for you, PJ? <laughs> We sign you up in the C class. <laughs> Thank. I think I, my road racing days are probably behind me. Track days are where I'm at now. All right. Never know, man. Hey, BMW pays contingency in the novice class. I know. I know. Don't you have a BMW? They've got. Uh, no, I don't currently have a BMW. The maybe the 310, the G310. They call it. I think they're 300. Yeah, they pay contingency in that one too. Yeah. The lightweights. Put your, put your money where your mouth is, man. Go go get some. I, th- I think that was Tony putting his money where my mouth is because I am <laughs> I don't have a pension to go racing much anymore. I ain't got much money either, yeah, so it's going to be a short career. Yep, <laughs> you fit in just fine. Neither does <laughs> <laughs> Jeff. I, I want to. I might take you up on it next year. It'll be fun. I'll get. Uh, I'm sure they'd give us press credentials, but I I think it'd be a lot cooler to hang out with you guys. Maybe you could put me to work doing something. I don't know what. I could definitely let you hold the fire extinguisher. I know that. That's, that's Man, for I've, sure. I've held one, too, and I am good at it. <laughs> Jeff, do you set up, I mean, you, you made mention of your business, and it, it is, uh, you know, the wave of the future, I think, is is guys like you. You're not the only one, but guys who really uh, are doing their sponsors uh, slash employers a real service by, you know, representing them completely, even in uh, what you're doing and what they're sponsoring you for. Do you, like, set up a table? You got flyers and stuff to get guys, uh, you know, in contact with you who might have an interest in using your service it's exactly i mean it's 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 actually kind of in in with the poster right where the poster has my information on it as well so people get a hold of me and then we have a lot of little you know some cool giveaways this this weekend we were giving away piggy banks that i was autographing it was kind of cool you know just especially the kids love the piggy banks and then it seemed like the adults are nostalgic about it so that was one little cool giveaway we had and and everybody's got to have a koozie, of course, right? Because you're a Daytona Bike Week, and you got to keep that beverage cold. So absolutely right. You, and you, you got, got the piggy bank home with them. them. It's got your name on it. Yeah, you. Uh, your sponsor wins right then and there. We got the piggy bank where the money is. Money in the bank. 
What you don't want to do is give away pocket knives because a lot of them are flying in, and we've learned that the hard way, hosting our own little parties and stuff with Pit Pass over the years. We did a thing in Vegas one time after the U.S. Open, I think it was. Nobody got to keep the knife. You know, it was a surprise. It was, it was a big surprise to us. When we were, wait a minute. Nobody gets to take it home. We weren't thinking. They were bad. They're really cool watches, or uh, uh, pocket knives. But uh, You got to put it in your check bag. That's the only way it's going to get home. Yep. Well, but but when you're in Vegas, you don't think about it, and you're just kind of fuzzy, and you're you're kind of stumbling out of the cab to the to the you know the airport, and you got it in your pocket still, and you got to dump it out, and you're like, oh, and then you realize it dawns on you, I just spent a thousand bucks on pocket knives that nobody's that are not going to make it home that are not that are going to go in a dumpster. Yep. Yeah, a bunch of TSA guys got them at least. Yeah, right? I buy I buy a lot of knives from TSA lots. Actually, that's where a lot of my knives come from. Oh, really? Absolutely. You can do that. There on the very forum that Jeff mentioned, the Wera forum. There's a guy who makes a habit of it. Whenever he comes across a, a TSA lot, you can buy by brand on eBay. So he buys the lot, then he resells them to all of us motorcycle dorks on the Wera forum, the BBS. Oh wow. You never know what you're going to find on there. You, you can pretty much find anything you need. You can find a banker, as we've now mentioned multiple times. You can find Jeff May out there. He's got a post. You can find an ambulance to haul sport bikes. Absolutely. With. I've, I, I, there are ambulances for sale, every kind of track, conveyance, generator, anything you need to go to a racetrack or buy a home, I guess. That, that range, it's there. You got some really good advice on there. You got Josh Hayes piping up on there. And then uh, myself, we were chiming in on some comments. But then you have some really bad advice on there. Oh, yeah. You'll get, you'll get, it's the internet still. So you get a fair bit of bad advice. <laughs> you got to measure it's it. comical. Jeff, what do you think of this? That I've been saying this for a while that the social media is, and the Weir Forum is a different deal, I think. I, I, there's accountability there and there's, for the most part, I think it's... There's moderators that don't pull any punches. Really helps a lot. Right. But with Facebook and that sort of thing, man, there is just... It's like the dumpster of the internet is in social media. And I think social media has played a part. First, it was really cool. As a guy that owns a racetrack, it was a game changer. Oh my gosh, I can I can advertise my stuff for free and I still do it. And that's why I'm on social media. That is it, period. And I'll show stuff of my personal stuff here and there and whatever, just to keep me relevant and so people don't know that I'm just a commercial the whole time. But in a lot of cases, I want to turn the thing completely off. And when the track, there's track bashing and maybe not so much in road racing because but, but definitely with the promoters and the organizers and that kind of thing. Man, I think it's detrimental to a race organization. And I, I think it has been probably uh, part of a reason why some of the sponsors don't want to be involved in some of these race programs because what they read on the Internet. Do you think that's some, somewhat true, Jeff? I think that it's, there's not many positives to it. Um, you know, this is going to show my age, but... Back when I was racing for Michael Jordan, the, the new thing called Twitter that came out, you know, and Facebook, and they're like, hey, we created these accounts for you. I'm like, well, what is this? You know, I was just figuring out how to do email back then. And it, it was, I, I did it because I had to, right? And it's a very minimal level. And what I've seen transition over the last 10 years, I mean, this was 2008 9, is that it has devalued sponsorship big time because racing used to be about hiring the best guy because the best guy was going to get you TV time. Well, T 
TV became too expensive. People didn't want sponsors. They didn't want to pay for TV anymore. And then so they started taking these guys that could buy rides that were maybe subpar, not as quick. And with social media, anyone could look like a hero. And it has degraded the sport in many ways, I believe, and just devalued it to where sponsorship is really hard to get now. And nobody really knows where to invest their money, right? Because all these sponsors want to get a return on their investment. That's why they do it. It's advertising. Um, And social media, Facebook, is always changing, too. So you can't really get a handle on it. Not too long ago, it was pretty good, right? Um, I don't know when it happened, but at some point I realized a few years ago that all my fans couldn't see what I was posting, that all of a sudden I had to pay for them to see what I was saying. And I think that's when it took the real turn for the worst, is when people that actually want to follow you, like a forum, and they want to see what you're saying, and they can't see it because you're not paying for it, I think that's pretty bogus. And uh, so, yeah, I'm not really a fan of it. I think it's kind of become a necessary evil, but I don't like it. When I first started my racetrack, I would fax... I would send faxes to the parts department and say, please post this about the races this coming month or week or whatever. <laughs> and when the internet, you know, when the f- social media, I'm like, oh my word, it's just so easy. And I, I wholeheartedly agree with you, Jeff. I think that it's it's totally screwed up so many things, you know, and, and not knowing if, if you're seeing my posts or whatever. So I put it out there. Hey, this is important news or whatever, but half the people don't see it and then they're well, let's say we have a rain out and they're ticked off at me and it's like oh, i put it on everything well i'm they're not seeing it you know so yeah i agree with you and, and it, man people i'll tell you another thing that's happened is uh my, my suit sponsors one x custom suits uh my my exhaust sponsors m4 exhaust and i've had firsthand knowledge from both of them that have said people call them and buy what they see me using at the racetrack not on facebook not on instagram but they see me at the racetrack breaking track records and hauling ass and they go i want what he's got and they go and they buy it it is coming full circle i I think it's going full circle back to the old grassroots got to be present you got to pound the pavement got to go out there and be positive about people that support you and facebook is and all that is kind of maybe becoming less relevant which is a good thing I would have to agree. Yes, it's coming full circle. And in other words, it was a shortcut for a lot of people who uh, initially thought they could just shortcut their way to easy advertising and lots of penetration. And you still have to do the basics. Uh, I'm agreeing completely with you, Jeff, and I think you as well, Tony. You you have to do a good job, step one. And then people are going to care. Do the work, and people are then going to care. It's the same in any workplace as it is at a racetrack and in getting sponsored dollars the same lessons are going to continue to pay off yeah do what you can with what you have maximize it I've enjoyed watching Johnny Rock Page on his social media, however, and and President Trump. It's been quite. Yeah, they're they're the they are literally the examples we're speaking of. If this is how I don't ever want to be associated with doing it, there would be those two right there. Oh man! Hey, everybody loves to watch a good dumpster fire. Right? Yeah, they really do. I mean, I guess they do. Um, 
That, that's that's sad but true. Yes. <laughs> well, Jeff, we appreciate you uh, taking. We, it was really a long segment, actually, longer than we expected, and it's been really good. And uh, we we should have you on again soon. Yeah, man. Enjoy, guys. Anytime. I love I love uh, hanging out and chatting with you guys. It's good times. All right. Well, you hopefully we'll get to see you on another racetrack at some point this year. I know it may or may not happen, Jeff. Have you got plans? Uh, I got something that happened because of Daytona, man. The uh, Maris guys, the executives showed up, and they really like what they saw, and Road Atlanta is right in our backyard. So there's a very good chance I'll be on the Superbike grid in two to three weeks. There, two and a half weeks, Road Atlanta, round one, Moto America. Well, no rush on putting your deal together. It's You got a couple weeks, so, hey. Yeah, I'll just wing it, man. Why not? <laughs> That's a good thing about being a veteran, right? You can just show up and do it. You know what you're doing. So to, uh, I wanted to ask you this, and we're way almost the show's almost over. But I wanted to ask you: You say it's expensive to go racing the 200. I've always wondered, and I know it's subjective because you can do it a lot of different ways. But what kind of ballpark is it with equipment, even, and just the travel and, and the team and everything? Well, I mean, it, it really depends on what level of sponsorship you have, even down to products and stuff. Luckily for me, I get a lot of support on the product end. But even with that being said, um, I don't have a tire wheel. Um, I've, I've put myself in a position where I don't really have to pay for tires. Dunlop's been really good to me over the years. And that's a huge piece for a lot of guys, right? Uh, but even that being said, this year I spent over $10,000 to do yeah. the race. And that didn't. That, that number's a lot less than what I thought you were going to say. So, and, and, and I know that's with a lot of support so yeah and i keep i keep it small man i have a van i don't have a big you know rig and a big trailer and all that i have a small trailer and a little van and i keep my cost low and and maximize the dollars i did get everybody gets a bologna sandwich chris car style I spent I spent quite a bit of time with talking to Chris Carr today. I got some really cool stuff that I'm going to announce here, really, really soon. What that I'm doing with Chris, I'm pretty stoked on it. Jeff, uh, out of time. We really appreciate it. Okay. Thanks for having me, guys. All right, uh, Jack. We don't. We blew through all the breaks, so we're going to just do a yeah. Just stay here till the end. Ten four. I want to congratulate Austin Forkner, who has had one heck of a, a. season so far in the in the 250 east and he really is um the man to be in 250 i think he's going to have a a fun time with ac adam c and cirilla his teammate actually in the west but when it comes down to it and they have the shootout what are your thoughts bj i I, i'm i'm currently on fork team forkner i've been saying uh, you know it sounded like all the talking heads and the very wise uh veterans of the sport are thinking c and cirilla is going to have his way with him i think it's going to be a real battle I spoke with some some guys that are in that class off air. You know, obviously, I'm not going to put them on the spot or back them into a corner. I've talked to some of the guys that are with the other teams, a team owner, uh, just about that scenario because it's just interesting to me. I like both the guys. I really like Austin. He he grew up racing, you know, at our track, and and uh, you know, we've he's a local kid for us. And then uh, we've sponsored him at Wiseco all through his career, and we still are through JE. Um, and then. AC, he's he, he's he was the most intelligent speaking kid 
than when he came out of Loretta's, and we thought, man, he's going to just light the world on fire. And he has. And I he, mean, he really has. He's just had some bad luck. Well, you've been listening to Pit Pass Motor Racing Weekly from the Pit Pass Radio Network. We'll see you next week. May I have your attention, please? Excuse me. Are you listening to me? Thank you. The preceding was an exclusive presentation of Pit Pass Motor Racing Weekly, a division of Pit Pass Radio LC. Any use of this copyrighted material without the express written consent of Pit Pass Radio LC is strictly prohibited. Hey there, my name is Michael Laminato and this is Pit Pass F1, a brand new podcast that'll take you closer to the action of the world's most prestigious motorsport. From Monaco to Miami and Australia to Azerbaijan, Pit Pass F1 is on the ground and has you covered. Esteemed F1 journalists Julianne Serasoli and Chris Medland will take you inside the sport every round. They'll keep you up to date with the latest news breaking in Formula One and the most influential views shaping the world of Grand Prix racing. Every Friday, we'll be bringing you a track guide and race preview, and Chris and Drew will be in your feed every morning from Saturday through to Monday to keep you up to date on all the day's action on and off the track. So if you want to be in the know on the latest in Formula One, subscribe wherever you get your favourite podcasts and visit us at evergreenpodcasts.com. Pit Pass F1, a brand new show for Evergreen Podcasts.